I am Inga Larissa. And I am Jennifer Rose. We're two whiskey pals serving a weekly whiskey podcast and rocking your whiskey world. Exploring the whiskies and distilleries of the world and meeting amazing people along the way. We'll be sticking our noses into our jams and all things whiskey. So fill your whiskey glass and join the fun. You're listening to Whiskey Sisters. In today's episode, we will be sampling Bullmore's core releases and chatting about all things rock music with our special guest. Yes, the legendary Tom Russell, otherwise known as the godfather of rock, is in the house. How cool is that? We can certainly snag those guests and a half. For those of you that aren't aware, Tom is a radio presenter born and raised in Scotland. His amazing, epic, kick-ass broadcasting career began with Radio Clyde in 1981 where he hosted the long-running Friday Night Rock show that was fodder for the rockers of Scotland and beyond. And he again rocked the airwaves on Rock Radio 96.3 which I was obsessed with. This was broadcast in <laughs> Glasgow in Central Scotland. Honestly, Inca, it got me through a tough job I listened to every day and he most recently worked for Rock Sport Radio and Real Radio XS Manchester. He has met all of the giant rock stars on the planet. We are so impressed by this. And he is still broadcasting three times a week on the Max, on Dab Radio and online on maxradio.co.uk. So before we chat with Tom, let's stick our noses into the latest whiskey news. Stick your nose in it. Waterford Distillery, world's largest producer of organic and biodynamic whiskies, claims its two new releases are the most heavily peated whiskies to ever be created in Ireland. They say that these are more peated than most of the famous Isla expressions. Ooh, check yeah. them out. Yeah. Measuring in at 57 and 74 ppm, uh, the two whiskies called Peated Lacken and Peated Woodbrook use Irish peat to create smoky flavors, which occur when compounds released by the peat fires are used to dry malted barley. Usually 40 to 50 ppm is considered heavily peated, so they are quite heavily peated for sure. And <laughs> honestly, also this iris peat thing just made me think of your mom, your mommy. <laughs> when she had her Irish peat but wouldn't burn it because yeah. it was so special to her. <laughs> I know. I feel like, you know. Oh. That's next so Mother's cute. Day, so you should get a bottle of this. <laughs> exactly. I should. She's heading off to Ireland soon in a trip, so she's like super happy. I wonder if she'll treat herself to some more peat. Yeah. <laughs> Don't but, you feel this is a bit like, oh, this is kind of like laying down the gauntlet or whatever the, the phrase is, just like, our whiskey's peatier than yours. Do, 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 do. Like, take that, Isla, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah, but I quite like it. <laughs> yeah, peat wars. Um, yeah, and both of these bottles are priced at around £90, so not too bad. Scotch brand Gordon and McPhail has added a 74-year-old single malt from Glenlivet Distillery to its private collection. Gordon and McPhail 1949 from Glenlivet Distillery was laid down in a refill sherry butt on New Year's Day. Oh, that's pretty cool. 1949 and bottled on the 6th of March this year. Each bottle is priced at £35,000 US dollars. That's 43,000 and there are only 192 available for sale. It has an ABV of 49.3% and is said to have a sweet stewed fruit aroma that combine with cinnamon, aged leather, clementine and beeswax polish. Whoa, that's like super freaking old. Yeah, and it looks actually the bottle looks like nice decanter rather than some weird creation that these older bottles usually come with. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think if whiskey had a consciousness, it would be like, what's even happening? We've been here for ages and nothing's happening to this <laughs> barrel. <laughs> yeah. Be so bored. Can't yeah. even get any more through into the wood or anything. <laughs> yeah. I've <laughs> oh, been ready for years. <laughs> Chatting all the, with all the other barrels. Yeah, totally. Like an old wise barrel. <laughs> 
they should do a kids cartoon where all the battles have personalities but do you know what see nowadays you can't even that would be seen as promoting alcohol to kids why can't you just do that and trust that you know we can drink responsibly as humans but anyway we digress Inca. yeah but i guess the kids won't be responsible so yeah <laughs> anyway enough of the tram dumb crap <laughs> never in car always with a random crap <laughs> Um, Scots whiskey producer Dalriata has become the second Campbelltown distillery in recent weeks to gain planning approval. We actually mentioned this before, some episodes before when they were applying to get the permission. Dalriata submitted the planning application to build the distillery on the banks of Campbelltown Loch in August. Yeah, that's when it was. It has now been given the go-ahead from Argyle and Butte Council, which also approved Glasgow-based whiskey bottler Brave New Spirits proposal in August to build net zero single malt distillery in Campbelltown. Oh my god, it's a happening place again. It so is. Dalriata project, which represents an investment of 4.5 million pounds will feature a distillery museum visitor center and retail outlet the museum really confuses me like what's in the museum when it's new yeah (laughs) (laughs) look at this artifact oh six weeks ago this bubble wrap was covering (laughs) our new furniture Let's rock. Okay, folks, let's get involved in the Bowmore experience. Bowmore is the first licensed Isla distillery, and it stood on the shores of Loch and Dal, which is a sea loch opening out into the wild Atlantic Ocean since 1779. It's likely, however, that the then owner had been distilling in Bowmore since shortly after his arrival on Isla in 1766. The distillery passed through four owners before 1963 when it was bought by the Morrison family, who subsequently sold to the Japanese whiskey company Centauri in 1994, who also owns Lafroig, as you may well know. Unlike most distilleries, Bowmore still has its own malt barn. First, the raw barley is steeped for 27 hours in fresh water sourced from the nearby River Lagan. And then the soaked grains are spread out across the stone floors of the malt barn. And the maltman will turn the damp barley every four hours, day and night, using large wooden shovels. These are the guys who always get the monkey shoulder. Once it's ready, the barley, now called green malt, because of the tiny shoots beginning to show, is taken to the kiln for drying. The floor matting actually counts only 40% of the distillery's needs, and it's mixed with malt from the mainland. And the floor malting always makes kind of nice story, I think, and a lot of distilleries or like few distilleries still do it as well. Like when I was in Highland Park, for example, they have it, but they did say that they don't actually shovel it anymore so much. They had a little machine that turns the grains. To save the shoulders? To save time? Yeah. Yeah. Save the shoulders and save time. Yeah. Keep Um, your shoulders for the dance floor action. Exactly. And none of these distilleries, you do all their malting on the floor. It's just like part of the production. So you can keep telling this story and the history of how it used to be done, I guess. All the whiskey is matured a minimum of nine years and the distillery has a special place for some of the maturation to take place. It is known as number one vaults and it has the most extraordinary microclimate. Mm. The vault is below the level of Loch in Dal. One wall makes up to the town seawall, creating a chill, damp environment, which is seen as ideal for long-term maturation. That sounds kind of spooky, mysterious, clever all at once. Yeah, and very salty. Indeed. Salty, salty. Let's invite our guest, our amazing guest, before we start sampling the core range. Tom Russell. Tom, thank you so much for joining us for some drums today and talking about whiskey and rock. That's 
are basically our two favorite things. So we are very <laughs> excited to have you on. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm extremely chuffed because I have been a massive fan of yours way back from the Friday night rock show days. And I was completely obsessed with rock radio when it was on. I was you were very you were very civil when a tipsy me approached you at a couple of gigs back in those days, Tom. So it's <laughs> lovely to speak to you again. <laughs> was that tipsy as well? I'm sure I'm sure adult beverage had been taken. <laughs> <laughs> I must put my hands up and say at that type of gig I tended to be a, a Jack Daniels and Coke man uh, because uh, you, some of these bars and pubs and rock clubs if you went up and asked for a, even a Glenfiddich you, you the, the, the barman would look at you as if you were daft so I, I tended to go for Jack Daniels and Coke at that time Yeah, Absolutely. but Tavy and Coke is very rock and roll I think a lot of the rockers seem to go for that Yeah, yeah, but I, I like to to, to support the, the the scotch whiskey industry as much as yeah. possible. Before we talk about whiskey, could you share with our listeners a little bit about your epic career as the godfather of rock? As we have heard that you've been interviewing many of our favourite bands, including Bon Jovi, which I love, Iron Maiden, Ozzy Osbourne and Metallica. We love Metallica. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I've been very fortunate in my career. There's not, not that many rock DJs uh, working on the radio, but uh, there's probably a lot more now. But certainly back in the, the late 70s, the 80s, the 90s, there was only a handful of us. Yeah. So when the, the big rock bands wanted uh, a bit of exposure, it wasn't too difficult. The, the, the record companies would pick out maybe, you know, four, five, six of us to do the interviews. And, and that was great. It meant that we got the uh, the access to the to the artists. I think it'd be a lot more difficult now for some of the the, the the new radio presenters breaking through playing rock music because there's so many of us now. Do you have a favourite interview or just you know something that stands out? It's a difficult one that I, I get asked that a lot. Possibly, I've had the pleasure of interviewing Ozzy Osbourne probably eight, ten times over the years. And I, no I, way, I, as much as that. I've I've been at a party at his house. Um, in fact, I've been at two parties, one, one party and one barbecue at his house. Oh my God, and, that's so cool. He is the nicest guy. He is the funniest guy I've ever met. Uh, I've been lucky, again, to, to, to meet a lot of funny people. And, and Ozzy is just, he is just so funny. He just sits there and tells you stories and, and he has your side sore with laughter. Slowing down a little bit nowadays, but... Uh, hey. it, that's an amazing answer. I can't believe you've met him so much. And I was super gutted. I had tickets to see him in Glasgow this past June. But of course, as you say, slowing down a bit now, not understandably, you know, not traveling far to tour. But I've never managed to kind of see him live. Hopefully I'll manage over to the States to see him. But he just is such a iconic figure, such a character. Now, you mentioned Glenfiddich and, you know, not always been able to get the whiskies of your choice at gigs and things. Zink and I are quite often moaning that when we go to different rock and metal, like especially kind of bigger festivals, the selection of, of alcohol, it does not please our whiskey taste buds at all. Mm -hmm. But we wondered, have you always enjoyed whiskey or is that something that's more recent? You know, maybe if you've got any favourite whiskies or any that you're keen to try. It's a, it's a strange tale, uh, but I'll tell it. My dad was a whiskey man. I'm an only child. My dad was a famous grouse uh, <laughs> and uh, and water. That was his drink. Yeah. But, you know, as as long as I remember, as I, as I grew up, I tried it a couple of times, and yeah, you know how the smell. It takes a little bit of getting used to. So I, I was not a whiskey fan when I was a teenager, <laughs> or um, in my twenties, my thirties, my forties. I was more a pint of heavy, couple of pints of heavy, and I was content. And then probably early in the, 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 the 2000s, at the time of rock radio, there was a, a small whiskey shop in Finiston in Glasgow called Tam's Drams. And Tam's Drams used to uh, advertise on the radio station, on rock, rock radio. And after a few months of advertising, he was doing quite well. So uh, the proprietor decided to have a, a whiskey tasting evening. And I, I was invited to go along as the compere. I wasn't going to speak about the whiskies. I, I wasn't an expert, but uh, the, the owner of Tam's Drams was. So we had that evening and it was a, a huge success. And early on in the evening, 
Tom uh, said to me, basically, what you've said to me, are you a whiskey man, Tom? And I said, well, no, not really. I'm a, a pint of heavy man, but my, my dad was famous grouse, but I've never really enjoyed it. I've tried it a couple of times, but uh, I'm not really a, a fan. Uh, and he says, well, will you do me a favour? And he, he pulled out a bottle. I can't remember what it was, but it was a single malt, one of the ones that they were having the, the tasting. And he poured a small dram, put in a tiny, tiny touch of water, swirled it around, and he says, right, Tom, do me a favour, just have a sniff of that. I had a sniff of it, and asked, all I smelled was whiskey. And and I, I said that, and he said, ah, that's okay, that's not a problem. Now, I'd like to take a, the tiniest, tiniest sip, just a tiny little sip, and keep it in between your bottom lip and your, and your gums, and just hold it there, and just breathe steadily through your nose, and count very slowly to 20. And I thought, this guy's been sampling more of his... His pro- pro- <laughs> of his produce than he, than he should. But I thought, well, he's spending money advertising the radio station, so I will get a bash. So I took this tiny little sip and I counted slowly up to 20. And I think it was about 17 or 18 I got to. And there was just this explosion in my mouth of all these these fantastic flavours. I couldn't put my finger on what they were, but bloody hell, that is really, really nice. And and I smiled at him because I still had the whiskey in my mouth. I couldn't say, that's nice, or the whiskey would have splattered all over the place. And I smiled at him and he smiled back and and he says, right, swallow it, but very slowly, just let, let it go down. And I did. And again, there was another wonderful sensation. And I said, that was lovely, Tom. He says, well, that's the way to drink um, single malts. You know, th- th- this knocking it back is just is just no use. You, you, you have to enjoy the flavour. And what's happening there is the, 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 the different flavours within the single malt is mixing with your saliva and it's re- releasing all the different, different flavours. Uh, and from that day till now, I, that, so that's 20 years. I have been, I still enjoy my pint of heavy, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, increasingly enjoy uh, two or three drams of uh, of single malt. I love that. And I don't think you're alone at all in maybe coming to it, you know, a little bit later on. I think many people, myself included, try it maybe when, you know, late teenage years or 20s. And it's not the right fit then, but maybe a bit later on drinking it in that kind of different way and savouring it. Yeah. To mention, yep. incidentally, uh, the the Tam in question from uh, Tam's Drums, the the the, the, the small shop in Finiston. Uh, after a couple of years, uh, Tam uh, was telling us that uh, he was branching out. He was uh, starting to sell some of his bottles uh, abroad. Uh, mm-hmm. He was auctioning them on on the internet, and this was a, a you know. Nobody had ever heard of this before. This was a, a a brand new thing. And increasingly over the next year or two, he was having an auction every month and he was selling more and more and more of these bottles of uh, single malt. And he was getting orders from all over the world because, of course, the internet goes everywhere. So I, I, after about a year or so, he closed the little shop down in Finiston because it was, you know, unnecessary. And he opened a big warehouse and he's now the proprietor of the biggest uh, whiskey auction site in the world. Uh, it's called scotchwhiskeyauctions.com. No way! That's so cool. And I love that he started out advertising on rock radio. Inca, I don't know if I've ever <laughs> mentioned, but I still, when I remember the adverts on rock radio, I'm buckled and I will chuckle away <laughs> to myself because some of them were like parody ads, weren't they, Tom? And they were like jokes. They were risky jokes. And you would just be driving along in your car and be absolutely buckled at them. <laughs> you use the word risky. I would use the word filthy. <laughs> they were pretty filthy. <laughs> there was what? Do you remember the one of the about the cider? Oh, I know Dickens. He was a farmer. His name was Dick, and there's nothing he liked better than going home after a hard day's work and getting some Dickens cider. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely Why filthy. So filthy and so funny. I don't think we'd get away with that now, but funny times. Probably not. <laughs> 
I love that radio show so much. It got me through my work every day. <laughs> so I do enjoy a pint of heavy when I go to back to Glasgow. <laughs> But um, how about whiskies? What's your favorite whiskey, or what kind of whiskies you like to sip at home? I'm I'm not even in the twenty years that I've been drinking whiskey. I, I I still struggle a bit with the nose uh, when I go to whiskey tastings and 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 will try something uh, and they'll ask for your your opinion on the nose. And I still can't get it. And I mean, something that's that's peated. Yes, obviously, I'll smell the peat. Something yeah. that's sherry. Something something like uh, the Glenallachy, uh, the the sherry finish of Glenallachy. Oh, so uh, tasty! It, it's a beautiful whiskey. But oh, on the nose, you can smell the sherry. Yeah, which is fair enough. But some of this, oh, I can smell Christmas cake. Uh, and all this sort of stuff, uh, <laughs> but uh, as, as far as your, your question, I don't have a particular favourite. I've worked my way through. I, I like a Macallan eighteen. I like a Buna, the Aberlour, a Buna. That that Glenallachy fourteen-year-old sherry finish. That is way up, and and that's one of my favourites. Definitely, I like Old Pulteney, Lagavulin, of course. Uh, Edradours, a, a whisky I like. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody gave me an Edradour for my birthday. Two years ago, I think, um, and I like that. Uh, what else do I like? Glen Farkless. The quite often when you go to the whiskey tastings, they have Glen Far different Glen Farklesses, and they're always good. Uh, I've, I've never tasted a bad Glen Glen Farkless. Yeah, they're uh, quite that, popular at the moment. Definitely need. Yeah, to, we need to explore a little bit more of that. Yeah. Uh, Dalmore, the fifteen-year-old Dalmore, I like. Uh, Glen Tronach. Oh, um, what else is there that I like? Springbank. <laughs> If you can... <laughs> Tom, we're loving your style. You're not discriminating. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that, well, Springbank, uh, that's a, a story all in itself, isn't it? Is it very, just very clever marketing? We we did an episode on them and we were talking about that. We were even talking about their font, weren't we, Inca? That it's yeah. like a kind of metal band font on the Springbank bottles. Maybe we need to ask... The other way around, is there style of whiskey or any whiskey that you're not a huge fan of? Even when I started 20 years ago, when Tam introduced me to, to whiskies, first time I tried Laphroaig, second time I tried Laphroaig, probably the first six times I tried Laphroaig over a period of weeks and months, I, f I had to force it down. I didn't particularly uh, enjoy it. I was at another a whiskey tasting at the, the Bon Accord a few years ago, mm -hmm. and um The proprietor there, who, who sadly passed away just a just a few weeks ago, uh, I don't know if you'd heard he he, he died, yeah. and his son's taken over. But he was he was good, uh, and he says, right, I think there was six drams we were getting that night, and he says, and I've got a a Lafroig here, and half of the half of the audience sort of oh, moaned, the other half said, oh great. He said, wait a minute though, what we're going to do, we're going to leave that till the very end. And he worked his way through the, the, the with a lovely steak pie, first of all, and chips. Nice. He worked his way through five lovely drums. I don't think there was a bad one amongst it. And then the last one for of the night was uh, just a 10-year-old, fairly standard Laphroaig. And strangely enough, that was the first time I enjoyed a Laphroaig. I told him that, uh, and he says, that's fairly common. Uh, he says, the problem is if you if you, if you you take a Laphroaig early in the night, it just destroys your taste buds for anything else. <laughs> yeah. Really does. <laughs> no, so nowadays I enjoy a, a Laphroaig occasionally. Uh, Talisker as well. That's that's quite a heavily peated one, isn't it? They've got that in my local club, and I sometimes have that as a, a end of the evening dram. Mm. It's very popular in Italy, so I'm drinking that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Italians love peat, but especially Talisker. I think it's just so widely available here. Right, right. Rock and metal and whiskey go hand in hand. And on the podcast, we have previously interviewed Rob Dietrich, the master blender and distiller from um, Plackant American Whiskey, which is Metallica's whiskey, basically. And mm -hmm. we both really enjoyed that one. And in another episode, we also reviewed Ramstein's whiskey, as well as Bob Dylan's one and one from the Scorpions, which all three weren't not necessarily that good. But we wondered whether you think, what do you think about brands collaborating with whiskey or spirit brands? Have you tried any or do you have any feelings about this? To be perfectly honest, I was aware of the Metallica one. Um, I wasn't aware of the, the Ramstein 
the, uh, the Scorpions, or indeed Bob Dylan. I wasn't aware of either of them. Well, uh, Bob Dylan's was uh, like just nasty on the palate. The Scorpions totally let me down because I've got a soft spot for the yeah. Scorpions. And Ramstein uh-huh. was expensive and took ages to be delivered. And I was sorely disappointed with that <laughs> as well. And we're not usually like super critical. You know, there's always usually, you know, one or two we enjoy. But just that episode, they were just all epic fails, weren't they? Oh. Yeah. Scorpions was okay, but it wasn't like, didn't rock my world. As far as uh, as an idea is concerned, I think it's a, a great idea. It's great. It's, it's spreading the spreading the word uh, about the, the delights of uh, and a good Scotch whiskey. It's it's also um, perhaps introducing uh, the liquid to, to a, a younger audience. Unleash the peat. Before this episode, I hadn't really tried many Bowmores, I'll be honest. So this is my kind of first dive into tasting, you know, um, a few more of them. What about yourself, Inca? Have you, are you that very familiar with Bowmore? Not so much. I've just seen a lot of mixed reviews of them. And obviously we tried the 18-year-old, that was the Aston Martin collaboration. That's probably the only one that I really remember that I've tried. We do a kind of tasting a wee bit later on in the episode, Tom, and we'll sort of, you know, talk about what we get in the nose and all of all of our different notes. But it's totally fine if there's not much that you're noticing at the moment. But we thought it would be really nice to share a dram with you and just have a wee sip and then, if, you know, have you enjoyed it or just any thoughts on it? So what one have you poured at the moment? Well, I thought it'd be sensible to start with a 12. Fantastic. That medium PT 12-year-old, and that's bottled at 40% ABV. Tom, have you tried Bowmore whiskies before? I have. Uh, I haven't ever bought a bottle, uh, but uh, I have over the years. The pot's still in Glasgow or, or the mm-hmm. Bon Accord. Uh, so what are you thinking about this 12-year-old? It smells like whiskey. <laughs> 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 Sorry. For sure. No, 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 love it. I think the mouthfeel was a bit softer than I was expecting to be. Feels yeah. a little bit creamier. Creamy, gentle, gun down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking like dandelion, you know, because they quite creamy. Oh, yeah. I think it's, for me, it's a wee bit kind of florally, not super sweet, but a tiny wee bit florally. It's gone down quite easily, though. It's nicely balanced. Yeah, I think it's better than I was expecting. I just put a wee spot of water in it there just to see what it does. And do you tend to enjoy your jams with a wee spot of water? Sorry, I've just counted 20 there. <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, not Are always. You... Uh, okay. To answer your question, uh, that 12-year-old, um, without the, the the water, I found quite strong, uh, but lovely taste. Tiny spot of water in it, and it, it's less um, less fiery. So, yeah, whiskies from Baltimore Distillery are usually known smoky, sea salty, with some tropical fruit character in there and with like a little bit of a citrusy edge. And I think some sometimes mention Parma violets as well as a common character in the in the Baltimore whiskies. Let's go to the next one, the 15-year-old, which is matured in bourbon casks, followed by three years in Oloroso Sherry casks. And this one is 43% ABV. I like the colour of this one. It draws me right in. Reddish, treacle, amber. Yeah. And just talking of like Glenallochy, nice sherry twiskies earlier kind of got me in the mood for that. So I've got high hopes of this nice sherry cask and the nice colour on this one. I agree with you, Jennifer, about the colour. It's a lovely Lovely, dark. You stand the two bottles next to each other. It's quite a comparison. Definitely. Yeah, that's definitely the Oloroso influence there. The first one was just American oak. Oh, I'm enjoying this one on first sip. Put my nose in and taking a deep breath and a big sniff. And I can smell sherry. So yeah. that's, that's, that's nice. I can't smell whiskey. I can smell sherry. I yeah. really like the sherry notes on the nose. I just think, mm-hmm. I don't know, it just makes me feel warm and fuzzy and comforted inside mm-hmm. like a big hug. <laughs> I was getting more red berries and like black currants. Oh, nice. And a little bit of rubber as well at the beginning. Or like balloons or something, you know, when we talked about that before. Yeah. It's a bit more spicier palate than the previous one. I'm getting a nice wee zing of spice. I was even thinking juniper. How are you finding it, Tom? I'd buy a bottle of that. It's lovely. It's very nice. That's the best compliment. Absolutely, if you'd go for a bottle of that. On the taste, I'm thinking of the smell of lovely worn leather. 
maybe I'm just thinking leather jackets with all this rock and metal chaps. <laughs> I'm definitely getting <laughs> notions of that with this one. But you know how sometimes you can drink a whiskey and it'll rem- the taste will remind you of the smell of something? Of that yeah, yeah. Thing? I think the beauty of whiskey is exactly those memories, how it really can put you in that moment Tom do you do you ever get anything like that do you try the whiskey and it really takes you back to a certain place every now and again I'll just be sitting and lovely memories from years gone by I'll just pop into my head without a whiskey even I'm just sitting with a cup of tea you know you get to that age where you look back I've had a fairly uh, eventful and lucky uh, life uh, and sometimes it's nice you just sit uh, yes with a whiskey in hand if, if, if need be and, and some lovely memories come back oh I remember that and I, rem- oh, yeah. I remember this and I remember that incidentally that uh, that Bowmore there, the second one, uh, the the fifteen. There's a, a lovely aftertaste, and I've noticed a nice long finish, just lingering away there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite. Um, I think it's there's something floral in in the finish as well. Maybe lavender or something. I don't know. I couldn't really put my finger on it, but something delicate. I think I could drink too much of the fifteen too quickly because that <laughs> is juicy and delicious. Okay, last but not least, the Bowmore 18-year-old, and it's again bottled at 43% ABV. While you sip and nose, here's a little fun fact for you about the name Bowmore. It is with a fun fact, Inka. Some historians believe that the name Bowmore to be derived from a small plaque reef just outside Lokindal, uh, whilst others reference Bogamore, the Norse for sunken rock, as its origin. Oh, Norse for sunken rock. That's pretty yeah. cool. So rock or black reef, but no one is really sure. I love the origin of the names and things. It just conjures up those images of times gone by. Yeah, and don't you think with Isla as well as a location, you just think, of, you know, this kind of islands in Scotland anyway, you think kind of rocky, black reefs, lots of waves hitting the coast. Definitely. Last year, uh, we were on holiday down, we were going on a, a cruise, so we drove down the day before, we'll we'll make a, a night of it, so we, we had, I had booked a hotel uh, in the Cotswolds, I'd never been to the Cotswolds, but I'd heard uh, the Cotswolds was lovely, so, so we got there, checked in, and then had a wonder about the town, and stumbled across a distillery, or a distillery shop, I am a wee bit I, I I refuse to drink Japanese whiskey or, you know, Portuguese whiskey or New Zealand whiskey or, yeah. or Chinese whiskey. It's one of the few things that we Scots are world leaders in. Uh, you like and, to stay and, Scottish. And I, 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 like, I, I like to maybe even snobbish about it. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, sure. I, I just, I like to to talk about Scottish whiskey. But, but this particular story... I went in and it's a, a, a fairly small shop. They only had about three or four different whiskies on display and then some miniatures and a young lady behind the, the, the counter and we I chatted away and, and I said, oh, I'll give it a try. I'll take one of your miniatures. It was £4.99. So it goes into my wallet and pulls out a, a Scottish £5 note, handed it over and she looked as though, she looked at me as if I had uh, suddenly grown two heads. No, I hate when that happens. That happens all the time. (laughs) But I thought it was because it was a Scottish £5 note, but it wasn't. She said, (laughs) we don't take cash. No way. And I said, my my immediate reaction was, oh, well, you you can stick your Cotswold whiskey where the sun doesn't shine. (laughs) 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 <laughs> and I was about to walk out, and then I thought, oh, no, that's, it's a bit unfair. It's not the girl's fault. So I pulled out my credit card, bought, bought the miniature for four ninety nine, and uh, went back out to the car, and we, we headed to Southampton and got on board the ship for our cruise. Uh, that night, or the next night, I pulled out the, the little quarter bottle, the little uh, miniature, and I sampled it, and it was damn good. I hate to say it, but it was <laughs> very, very good. I'm not promoting it at all, and I'll probably never mention it again, English whiskey, but uh, I must admit it was nice. Oh, was it the sherry one, or do you remember? I can't Because we tried the sherry one, and we thought it was very 
nice as well, very funky. There was some unusual probably, it, tasting notes there. It probably would have been the, the sherry one because, as I mentioned earlier, I tend to like the sherry sherry finishing of whiskey. And right. that's the first time we'd featured an English whiskey just quite recently, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I must admit, I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did, so that's brilliant. But we'll not be promoting it, will we? <laughs> no, you're talking about Balmore today. For sure. Yes. So, so how what, are you guys finding this 18-year-old? I'm, I'm just sniffing it now because I was blethering for too long there. So. I'm not getting as much from it on the nose as I did from the 15. It's pleasant. It's nice. It's gone down beautifully. But I was that excited by the 15. I'm underwhelmed by the 18. So I need to spend a bit more time. (laughs) I need to spend a bit more time on it before we fully review it later. Oh, I was getting a lot of like berry notes, like berry compote and like jerry jam or that kind of stuff. A little bit of some random bit wood in there as well. That's quite nice. Don't get me wrong. It's going down really easily. It's creamy. It's pretty tasty. I would not be sad at all if I was gifted a bottle of this. I think it's much more floral and more perfumed on the palate. It's like quite a strong peaty, iodine, salty kind of hit. The colour's something kind of in between the 12 and the 15, isn't it? Something in the middle, not quite as dark as that sherry cask finish, but certainly darker than the 12. I'm quite surprised by Bomber. I don't know, because I've read so many bad reviews recently so i was really not expecting to like this <laughs> well i didn't really like the the one we tasted the what was the one with the car anchor again yeah that was 18 that was with the collaboration with aston martin the collaboration with aston martin i was underwhelmed by that but i'm actually really enjoying these three i don't want to ask tom again and interrupt his awesome counting of tasting You can just take your time, Tom. No rush. It's lovely. I agree with you that uh, when I sniffed it, uh, I missed the sherry of the 15. It was Uh a a little bit more, uh, a little bit, it just smelled like whiskey. Um, Mm -hmm. But the taste is lovely. I think it's perhaps a more complex whiskey. As as I held it in my mouth there, um, there was different flavours coming. Uh, And then I would move it and then swallow it. And there, there there was different explosions of, of flavour. So I think that the 18 is probably one that uh, I would get very used to. The 15, uh, I, I loved straight away. It was just beautiful. As I, and as I said, I, w- I would buy a bottle of that, no problem. But the, the, the 18, I, I think, uh, is definitely a grower. Yeah. I think the 18 is much more peatier than the other two. Still a gently peat, though, not an in-your-face, punchy-in-the-face Lafroy peat, would you say, Inca? No, it's not like medicinal, but it's definitely, definitely more salty, more kind of yeah, we more savoury edge and a long. I yeah. would say a long finish again. Yeah, slightly herbal on the finish. I wouldn't kick the twelve out of bed either. It's quite nice, although it has been overshadowed. <laughs> <laughs> but if somebody bought me a jam, I'd be quite grateful. Absolutely. I, I won't reveal my favourite yet. I think I need to still keep trying before we do our drum on fire tasting notes later on. We'll stick our noses in again and get busy with those. And we can maybe keep having a wee sip as we chat on because we would absolutely love to know, although you have met like people that would just blow our brains, we'd be like Wayne and Garth. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. When they meet Alice Cooper... But if you could, we call it Dream Dram, and that's which celebrity, dead or alive, would you share a whiskey with? And what whiskey would you choose to share? Dream Dram. Oh, that's a, that's a hard one, Jennifer. Um, it is. It's a tough one. Can I, can I give you three? Oh, yes, please. Uh, Elton John only interviewed him once. Uh, again, it was in London, and it was it was fascinating. Uh, I don't know if he drinks or, or or not, but I asked him a question during the inter- the first five minutes of the interview was a bit stiff. Uh-huh. You know, he was he was probably the 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 twentieth interview of the day that he'd done. We all tend to, as you know, we all tend to ask similar questions to, to get things off and running. I've tried very hard not to ask all the obvious questions. Yeah. You know, I've tried to ask questions that 
uh, the, the artists would be interested in answering. Exactly. Um, so one of the after about five or ten minutes, I, I could actually see in his face, Elton John's face, that it was warming to me and warming to the uh -huh. interview because I was asking him interesting ones. I, I said to him, uh, I can't remember the the year, probably the late seventies, Elton, and uh, you brought an album out. Was it Goodbye Yellow Brick Road? Yellow Brick Road, double album, um, and you followed that with Captain Fantastic and the Brown Duck Cowboy. And when you you toured, you played the Glasgow Apollo, sold it out in so many hours. So they added a, a second show the same night. Now, at that time, Elton did a two and a half hour show. So I remember I couldn't get a ticket for the first show. It was on half past seven till 10 o'clock or something. But I had a, a ticket for the second show starting at 11. Oh, that's cool. So, so I says, do you remember that, that you did five hours in one night? And he looked and he says, I'm sorry, I have I have absolutely no memory of that whatsoever. But I'll be speaking <laughs> to my manager about it. <laughs> and then I said, that album, or these two albums, some of the songwriting on it is fantastic. Uh, can you, what's your memories about writing these two songs? And again, he looked me straight in the eye and he said, I'm really sorry, Tom. I have absolutely no memories at all of that period in my life. Wow. I was, oh, I was oh, waking no. up in the morning and I was drinking a bottle of vodka. I right. was taking pills all day. And then before Yay. I went to bed at night, I was drinking a, another bottle of spirits. Uh, uh, oh, it was just the whole thing was a blur. And yeah. until I realized that I was, I was going to die. Um, so that, that that was that was quite poignant, you know, the fact that all these wonderful songs that he'd written at that period and he had no memory at all yeah. of writing them. Uh, so Elton would be one. Uh, Ozzy obviously would be another. Um, yes, <laughs> I can't, can't can't resist it. And and who else? Who else? Um, as I mentioned earlier, I've been very, very lucky to, to interview so many different people. Robert Plant, four or five uh, times. But cool. Jimmy Page, I've never met. Never oh. interviewed, never met Jimmy. And mm -hmm. Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin, I would love to have done an interview just talking about his technique and his, yes. you know, uh, his influence from the old blues musicians and and, and uh, that that would have been nice. And one final one, Jimi Hendrix. I would love to have interviewed yeah. Jimi Hendrix. Oh, fantastic. Amazing choices. And I oh, just love Led Zeppelin so much. Excellent. So actually, I have another tough question for you. Which three sipping songs would you choose to go with these this evening of sipping whiskey with these people sipping songs yes do they have to do they have to have a connection to whiskey or, or just, just no no songs? any song just to set the mood for the sipping evening acdc highway to hell yes <laughs> ozzy osborne no more tears nice and i'll tell you why on that one uh, the time that I was at the bar, I mentioned earlier at the barbecue at his house mm -hmm. a Sunday afternoon. Uh, it wasn't a wild party. I mean, there was drink there, but uh, it was more a, you know, it was just a Sunday afternoon barbecue for friends and it family. It was one of his craziest moments, like his tour not. with Motley Crue. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, he was, he uh, was quite calm. Um, but at one stage in the afternoon, he says, uh, Tommy, you got a minute? Of course, I said, aye. <laughs> so he took me round the back of the house to the stables. He went round his neck and, and he had a key attached to a, a chain round his neck. And he says, this is the one room that Sharon doesn't get into. This is my den, my, my man cave. All so right. we opened this door and we went into what had been the stables and it had been converted into, a, a, you know, a man cave. There was a snooker table and there was a big PA system um, and, huge big television and a bar of course and he sat me down and he pulled out a, it was actually a cassette at that time uh, and he says i'd like your opinion your professional opinion tom we've got a new album coming out in a couple of months and uh, one of the tracks from the album i really think would be a good single you know got a lot of airplay i'd like to play it for you and then ask you a question I says, fine, no problem. So he played me this track and it went on for about seven minutes. It was quite a long track, but it was 
astonishing. It was terrific. Uh, and when it finished, he said, right, I want the record company to release that as a single. It's seven minutes long, but the record company say they want to edit it to make it four minutes long because it's got no chance of getting any plays on the radio at seven minutes long. What do you think as a DJ on the radio? And I thought for a moment and I said, well, let's be honest, Ozzy. Radio One and all the pop stations up and down the country, are they going to play even if it's one minute long? (laughs) (laughs) Ozzy Osbourne, oh, the the programme controllers would have have a, a heart attack. (laughs) <laughs> rather than play an Ozzy Osbourne, t- rather than play any rock, hard rock song yeah. on the radio. So I said, "Well, you make it four minutes long, you're still not going to get play. Uh, yes. So leave it the, the the seven minutes. Leave it as it Definitely. is." Definitely. And he says, "Thank you for that, Tom. I'll uh, well, we'll see what happens." And then about three months later, the single came out, and it was seven minutes long, and it was called "No More Tears." How so, cool uh, is that? That is the coolest thing I've ever heard. It never got played on the, ra- the radio, apart from a few <laughs> rock shows up and down the country. But, yeah. Did you play it? Of course I've played it. <laughs> I was what do you think, Jennifer? <laughs> Come on. Oh, that's brilliant. And like, oh. I'm guessing like felt quite an honour to be brought in and for him to share it in that way in his home and, you know, and, and ask for your advice. Mm-hmm. It was humbling. So many of these things, Jennifer, honestly, I've been so, so lucky in my career. And as I say, sometimes I just sit back and relax and think, I've had a bloody good life. One more, one more. We're going to pin you down for one more. We're not going to let you away with two. (laughs) Uh, Right. This is one that maybe a little bit, you know how rock and metal, there's so many little strands. There's mm-hmm. funk rock, there's progressive rock, there's yeah. heavy metal, there's thrash, there's blues. There's so many different strands. And I love most of them. A lot of people just like prog rock. They've got no time for metal. Yeah. A lot of people like thrash, but they've got no time for anything else. Yes. A lot of people just like the blues. Me, I'm just a weirdo. I like most of it. <laughs> and prog rock made us a comeback back in the 80s when I, when I was... It, it was big in the in the 70s, and then it became very unfashionable and faded away. But in the 80s, it made a bit of a comeback, mainly, mainly British artists. And one of them had a Scottish singer uh, who I got on very well with, uh, Smashing Big Fella. And there was a particular track that uh, that they recorded. I think it was on either the second or third album, can't quite remember. Uh, but the song is Fugazi, F-U-G-A-Z-I. And I just loved this song so much. I played it every bloody Friday night on the Rockstar slide <laughs> for, for weeks. Uh, and it's about seven minutes as well, six six minutes odd. And I loved the song so much. Round about that time of the 80s, I had got married and, and we'd moved into our first uh, uh, house. And we decided to call the house Fugazi after this song. <laughs> Ten years later, the I was divorced. But who's the artist? Oh, did I forget to mention that? Marillion. Oh, no way. I wasn't that, like, I've heard it, but I didn't know, like, I couldn't link it to the artist. Yeah. Have a listen to the song. Dig it out and have a listen. It's a brilliant song. The the lyric goes that the whole world is totally fugazi. And and I asked Fish, what what does that mean? He he says, oh, it's it's Vietnamese. Uh I said, all right. He says, um, Back in the the sixties during the Vietnam War, uh, all the, the Vietnamese used to say this to the Americans: "Ah, Fugazi, Fugazi, Ah, Fugazi, Fugazi." It basically means all effed up. That is brilliant, and I love that you called your house by the same name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, your career has been epic, and you've said a few times how lucky you've been. But you know, you've created your career and it sounds like you've had you've developed brilliant relationships with with those that you've interviewed. And we just want to thank you again, Tom, for taking the time and sharing some of your experiences and stories, both with whiskey and in the music world. It's been such a pleasure. And I've just got about 300 questions now I want to ask you about music, but I suppose <laughs> we better let you go. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jennifer Ninka, it's been a, a, an absolute pleasure chatting with you. I've, I've enjoyed it. I've, even even more, I've enjoyed the whiskies. Ah, thank you. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much, Tom. Whiskey Sisters, the podcast. Dram on fire. So just to chat a little more in detail about these releases, um, again, let's begin with the 12-year-old. Is there anything you'd like to add from our previous conversation with Tom? I was just quite excited to be dramming with Tom, so I've not got too much more to add, Inka. But I guess the nose, do you know, the nose super pleasant, but I was struggling for really, you know, accurate descriptives but I kind of got a mellow vanilla custard and then a wee bit more caramelly super pleasant but I didn't get much more than that ah I was getting um heather some honey Mm. Um, it also felt a little bit dusty or kind of like a wet soil or like damp Mm -hmm. leaves that kind of probably that uh, warehouse yeah there was also kind of like a bottom of an ashtray Oh, you know, like you're emptying emptying the ashtray, but you haven't cleaned the ashtray, so it still kind of smells of that kind of. So like, not not so much a rock and roll echo of ashtray, but a bit more of a scabby dog. Oh my god, that's bulky ashtray. It, I didn't find it like disgusting. It's okay. just like you walk by by an ashtray, and it kind of gives you a little. Okay, it just gives you a little something, but it's not super disgusting. Yeah, it wasn't like that too too bad. So it was. Interesting. It didn't give me too much, I guess, on the nose. It wasn't bad, but it was yeah. okay. I think I might be coming down with some sort of like nose and throat thing. So you'll need to like be the lead. You need to be the boss of this tasting. All right. On the palate, first of all, I was quite surprised how soft the mouthfeel felt. Mm-hmm. And then I was getting kind of creaminess, like dandelion, buttery mashed potatoes. Oh, melted butter, like salty melted butter, some salted nuts, a little bit of oak and citrus in there as well. And also kind of sweet candied orange or some sort of citrus later on. Ah, super interesting. I've not got much um, kind of similarity in my notes, but as I'm listening to you, I'm really interested in that butteriness. I have got a shortbread, maybe a bit of a white pepper spice. And the fruitiness, I was thinking pear, but you know pears when they're almost not very ripe and there's a slight, they're Mm. fresh and crunchy and slightly not sour, but they're not super sweet, kind of like that. A woodiness on the finish. Yeah, I was getting a bit of woodiness and it was kind of drying finish, I think. Like I mentioned before, I was surprised how much I actually enjoyed it. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's not my favorite whiskey, but I wouldn't mind sipping this every once in a while. Definitely. Um, The review's been mixed overall, the ones that I've seen in the past. Maybe because I was expecting not to like it, it then surprised me because it wasn't actually bad at all. (laughs) (laughs) With the salted nuts, by the way, I was kind of, and the saltiness, I think that's the peat. Okay, so how about the next one, the Bowmore 15? Because you really liked that earlier, didn't you? For sure, I really liked it. And I'm looking at the colour again now. That colour is just mm, mm, so nice. Almost kind of a peachy caramel colour. Yeah, it really is. On more of a sip, I can get... Oh, there's building works near me. Sorry, listeners and Inca, if you can hear that in the distance. Do you not know I'm sipping a Bowmore 15? Selfish. <laughs> yeah. Interrupting my my whiskying, my sticking my nose in it. On the nose, red berries, definitely a big mixture. Maybe some nice soft Madeira sponge cake, orange zest, caramelized orange. And I was also thinking of Highland toffee, but all melted and soft. Yeah, definitely um, red berries. And I'm getting really heavy, swift, 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 <laughs> of black currant. <laughs> oh, like whiffs. Yeah. Whiffs. Whiffs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Um, you could get swift whiffs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so very fruity. If you're cooking certain type of dishes, you soak fruits in alcohol. Yeah. You get the flavor before you put them in the food. So I'm yes. getting that kind of, you know, there's a bowl of something soaking in some brandy. Absolutely. I feel it there it's kind of punch like punchy, not as in fruit like not as an alcohol punch, punchy as in like its personality. And as if it's kind of showing off, like it's giving a lot on the nose. Mm. 
So the palate, again, I think is salty, gingery, spice, baking mm-hmm. spices. Yeah. Burnt toffee. I mentioned the juniper earlier. And again, those black currants from the nose are really transferring on the palate very strongly for me, nice. which I love because I'm, I'm just massive black currant fan. Finland for me. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. I think in the UK anyway, like they're a lesser revered fruit and I think that's not it shouldn't be the case because it is so they are so tasty I definitely get the sort of citrusy warming spices you know like a like a nice Thai food salad dressing Mm -hmm. and there's sometimes like citrusy spice in the dressings like lemongrass as well exactly that kind of like zesty spicy warming but still a freshness to it and then I was just like super enjoying it but struggling to describe it and I just kept getting excitement so I'm not sure what else on the palate (laughs) I think the finish was kind of oaky and slightly drying not as dry as the previous one and I'm also getting red fruits and some delicate floral notes, like I mentioned the lavender or something like that. I couldn't really figure out what it was, but just some, or like even like, you know, berries have flowers that kind of smell. Oh, like yeah. Something like that. Super nice. And as I said before, the taste of the smell of nice worn leather and that kind of lingering on that long finish. Mm-hmm. super nice like a, a rock song that you love and a leather jacket that you love that you take off and the elbow shape is still in the jacket yeah oh so good <laughs> that's a proper leather one the 18 year old yeah i think this one maybe had a slightly uh slower legs mm-hmm. again it was giving me red berry compote cherry jam um some wet wood in there some oh yeah I was thinking I made this blackberry and blackcurrant and thyme negroni a while ago wow and it was giving me that smell that kind of berry thyme but the bitterness of Campari in a negroni that kind of and the sweet vermouth oh my god amazing and then I was also getting kind of cinnamony and nutty coffee cake I found it quite mixed on the nose like Initially, I was like, oh, it's like fresh fruity salad, you know, with all its own fruit juice. Then I was like, oh, I'm getting wee caramel notes. But I actually get something a little bit fermented. And then I thought, is that a wet umbrella? But not quite as bad as that. But something just a wee bit funky. (laughs) Yeah, but that's the thing. I was getting something wet as well, like the wet wood or something. I don't know what it was. (laughs) Yeah, something's been rained on here. Well, it's kind of good to just indicate the the special warehouse again oh yeah true very true and so very damp environment you've got a totally sexy sexy nose description what about the palette for the 18 i iodine iodine iodine. Mm, i love it and it was kind of floral perfumed like okay i was then thinking those palma violets or like a violet again berry jam there's definitely berry team cross Mm -hmm. here definitely peat Coastal mm-hmm. and coastal pebbles. Pebbles? Yeah. Oh, nice. Like on the beach, you know. That's such a good shout. And I can really get the iodine as I'm sipping yeah. and hearing your notes. This is maybe a ridiculous taste note, but when I was sipping it earlier, I got boiled cabbage with black pepper on top and then sweet salty butter through it. Oh my God, that is so true. Now that you said it, and I literally just took a sip, that... Makes so much sense. My mom used to always be on this cabbage diet and she would make the cabbage <laughs> cabbage soup with black pepper and stuff and the whole house would smell for weeks. <laughs> All the crazy diets of like the 1980s and 90s. <laughs> it does taste like cabbagey, actually. Yeah, there's something cabbagey going on. Maybe a wee bit of oatiness. And you know how oat cakes give you that kind of like creamy mouthfeel but it's like savory and oaty and just what I was saying about like the wet earlier on like growing up in Scotland there's a lot of rain right and you come in and sometimes the houses I lived in you'd have a wee porch or a wee bit in the hall where all the rain jacket and your Wellington boots would go and you would shove your wet stuff so the lobby or the hall would smell a wee bit kind of wet and of outsidiness yeah so I'm kind of getting Scottish lobby after the rain i found it a wee bit citrusy though on the finish there's definitely some more like lemon rather than orange 
Yes, agree. So would you still say that the 15 is your favorite? Oh, yes. All the way. What about you? Because you were teasing us earlier. You weren't going to unleash your favorite. Oh, I don't know. The 15 or the 18, probably the 15 on balance, I would say maybe. But I would happily spend a little bit more time on with the 18 as well. Mm-hmm. I think as well, that kind of funkiness and outdoorness is very suited to your, like, part of your palate as well, isn't it, Inca? Yeah. Comparing this to some other Isla whiskies, I think this is feels more uh, lightly peated compared yeah, to for sure, most definitely. Ones. And if I'm doing, if I was doing a blind tasting, I wouldn't guess this was an Isla whiskey. Nick, Can I, I just say? Mm. But are you not potentially so excited because you shared the Bowmores with the legend that is Tom Russell, Inca? I know that was a very special occasion for sure very very special we feel very honored to have that time with Tom and oh I just wanted to ask him so many questions about all the famous people he's met you know he's met Lemmy from Motorhead yeah amazing so amazing whiskey sisters whiskey fact in 1991 one of Bowmore's warehouses was turned into a community swimming pool which is heated with the distillery's recycled hot water and I actually checked this swimming pool is still in operation and the lesser center is open to non-residents as well. So if you're ever visiting the distillery on Isla, you can go and have a nice swim in the warm pool too. That is so cool. And while we're talking about Baltimore, make sure to visit the Round Church in Baltimore. And if you're wondering why it's round and not rectangular or square one, the story goes that the church was built in a circular shape to keep the devil from hiding in a corner. Good plan. Not today, Satan. Hi there. I'm Tom Russell, the godfather of rock. And you're listening to the Whiskey Sisters podcast. Well, next week's episode won't be as good as this week's. I'm just calling it out because Tom Russell isn't in it. So it's not going to be as good. But if you still love us and want more, we will be back with none other than supermarket whiskies. Oh yeah, baby, we are getting our trolleys at the ready. We are counting our pennies, not too many of them. We've come across some random Scotch whiskey on the supermarket shelves and names that might not be that easily recognised and that's what we'll be focusing in on next week. Yes, so (laughs) we'll be sampling cheap and cheerful bottles. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether to be excited. I'm kind of curious, I have to say. I'm very curious. Are you a little bit scared? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. Follow us on Instagram and follow Tom Russell on Instagram at whiskeysisters.podcast. X, oh, X, I still don't like that. At Whiskey Sisters and Facebook at Whiskey Sisters Podcast. May your glass be full and your dram on fire. 